0: Welcome to episode 75 of the Montana Values Podcast. In this show, we'll wrap our series on exposing the charlatans of the Montana GOP by shining a light on the grand poo-bas of smug and ignorance, Brad Sheeta and Ed Butcher. Let's join
1: our host, Tammy Fisher. We have embarked on a series of pods exposing the charlatans in our midst. Unfortunately for Montana, we have two more in this episode to discuss. And as our listeners recall, we exposed Jordan Hall, the preacher from the South who wreaked havoc on Sydney, Montana, and within the Montana GOP for several years before he fled the state in disgrace. Before he fled, he was embraced by the Montana GOP, the state party leadership, as manna from heaven while he weaved tales of destruction, defamation, and just downright lies about Montanans from all walks of life. Montanans who love this state, who embrace her values. Well, the Montana GOP found Jordan Hall's personal brand of hate shrouded in his mutilation of biblical passages intoxicating and followed him like lemmings to the ledge, just like Hall's church elders did and has the Montana GOP, now that Hall has been charged with embezzling from the very people he was appointed to serve and has been charged with assaulting his family members, so has the Montana GOP distanced itself publicly from Hall and the rag he wrote, the Montana Daily Gazette, and its many warped iterations? Nope, no, no. They continue to sit silent while these charlatans take on the Republican brand, embarrass the state party, alienate good Republicans, and desecrate the party brand. They continue to evidence their cowardice by embracing the worst of the worst, the cream of the crap, as you might say, while hoping the red wave shields them from the rest of Montana noticing. Well, we've taken notice. We might be simple here in Montana, but we aren't stupid. Isaac Asimov informs us, quote, there is a cult of ignorance
0: in the United States and there always has been. The strain of anti-intellectualism has been a constant thread winding its way through our political and cultural life, nurtured by the false notion that democracy means that my ignorance is just as good as your knowledge, end quote.
1: Well, the ignorance that seems to have overwhelmed the charlatans we are speaking of today has bled into the highest ranks of the Montana GOP, and it's created a bloody stump and one that can't be repaired with a few stitches. The only fix is amputation, and until the Montana GOP actually starts leading with integrity, the bloody stump will be the only thing good Republicans will fixate upon because we can't come together in a united fashion whilst the Montana GOP allows charlatans who have stolen our party and our language to find solace in the state party and its leadership positions. When we spoke of the new Montana GOP platform that has been mutilated with authoritarian language inserted by out-of-state non-Montanan authoritarians, We also spoke about the removal of solidarity with our native Montanans, the Indians, whose importance to the state is enshrined in our state constitution. The fact that the new authoritarians that took over the Montana GOP removed this passage from the old platform speaks volumes about where Montana and its state Republican Party is headed. Here's that passage.
0: Quote, we support the individual rights of Montana tribal citizens as guaranteed by the Montana Constitution, end quote.
1: Removal of a section of the platform then begs the question, why remove it? If it was an outdated plank, like one that referred to water compacts or Barack Obama, there's no cause for concern. But why remove support for the individual rights of Montana's tribal citizens as guaranteed by the Montana Constitution? That's not an outdated plank. That's a plank that embodies Republican principles of equal rights, adherence to, and reverence for our state constitution. So why remove it? Well, unfortunately, we know why. Because within a month of its removal, some authoritarians that refer to themselves as Republicans and who hold leadership positions in the Montana GOP started their campaign to remove native Montanans, Indians, from the legislature. And these racist charlatans are embraced by the Montana GOP as being credible human beings. Remember the scorecard bullshit that is now required in the state Republican platform? You want to know where that scorecard idea came from? A guy named Ed Butcher. He puts out a propaganda-filled scorecard that attempts to grade legislators on their adherence to Butcher's principles. And who is Ed Butcher? Butcher is a 79 year old dude from Winifred. Sadly, he actually was born and raised in Montana, so he should know better, but he doesn't. He was a legislator in the Montana legislature from 2004 to 2011. He filed for re election in 2010, but withdrew before the primary in that year. After his legislative time, he decided to develop something called legistats to grade legislators on their adherence to his principles. Ironically, he was a delegate to the 2016 Republican National Convention, where the national platform was adopted, yet he apparently failed to read it, much less adhere to that platform's contents. Once Butcher developed legistats, he began a crusade to rid Montana of Republicans that vote their constituents' desires versus the evolving authoritarian Montana GOP wackadoo desires. And the Montana GOP leadership embraced Butcher in his efforts, which he presented in roadshows across the state, visiting central committees and Republican women events to spread His personal form of propaganda in an attempt to gain credibility and central committees and pachyderm clubs across the state gave Butcher the attention he so desired. And they were enamored with his professorial message and, quote, data he propped up his propaganda with. So this, as well as the Montana GOP removing support of Indians from the platform, emboldened the elderly Butcher to say out loud what we all knew he believed. Well,
0: North Central Pachyderms hosted a talk by former state Senator Ed Butcher, Republican out of Winifred, who runs the website LegislatorLoyalty.com, a website that tracks the party loyalty of Republicans in the state legislature. <laughs> <laughs> when the subject of legislators from Montana's Indian reservations came up, he remarked that their representatives always vote for welfare and said while there were two, he respected very much. Most legislators from reservations are unintelligent. Quote, I won't mention the other names that are room temperature IQs, he said. The reservation doesn't necessarily always send their best and brightest, end quote.
1: So, according to Butcher, Indians, by virtue of being Indians, are dumb. Not worthy of serving in the Montana legislature because of their race. And it's only because the Montana GOP now embraces racists that Butcher is emboldened to say out loud what we all knew about him. Only because the Montana GOP is now a safe haven for racist authoritarians, it's only because of that that these statements are now uttered at public meetings across the state with zero consequence. Notwithstanding the fact that the national platform condemns racism in all forms, and the last Republican president did more to reduce the inequities in race-based incarceration than any other Democrat president has. Nope. Straight-up racism is now embraced by the Montana GOP. And it's not just the 80-year-old rambling about the state spewing racism as a cherry on top of his propaganda-based scorecard now mandated by the Montana GOP that's doing it. It's also the guy that hits the trifecta of everything a real Republican and Montanan isn't. Racist, chauvinist, and an election propaganda spinner. Brad Sheeta has done more to alienate Montanans from voting Republican than probably any other legislator in our state. And not only is he a legislator, he was the House majority leader in 2019, and he is now the secretary of the Montana GOP Executive Board. And when a racist is on the executive committee for the state Republican Party. Not only does the state party say nothing, they secure this racist chauvinist and election denier a position of authority over all local Republican central committees. He's part of steering the Montana GOP right over a cliff into authoritarian hell. And because he's in leadership, does the rest of the executive board say anything about Sheeta's antics? Nope. They embrace everything Sheeta has done to harm the party and the Republican brand. And listen, folks, anyone in Missoula has known Sheeta to be a chauvinist. He has tried to take out the Missoula Republican Central Committee chair, who is a woman that has served the Republican Party for probably 40 years and is a master at organizing and recruiting folks to the Republican Party in an area known for its more liberal bent. Well, she's just not good enough for Sheeta, So he's actively trying to remove this woman from leadership. And, of course, has been supported all along in this endeavor by none other than the state party chairman. So we have that. That's fun. Then, of course, we have Sheeta spewing sexist nonsense that a Montana-educated third grader knows to be false.
0: Quote, the womb is the only organ in a woman's body that serves no specific purpose to her life or well-being. Sheeta said, it is truly a sanctuary, end quote.
1: And God love the sexist among us that haven't advanced past, I don't know, 1870, but God love him, Sheeta just dug in on his statements. Quote, I'm not going to apologize for saying
0: that, Sheeta said. I think that's exactly what it's there for. It welcomes in a new life, and that's what it's there to do, to nurture and sustain that life, end quote. End quote.
1: And of course, since Sheeta has never benefited from a Montana education, he's from Minnesota, he was not armed with third grader knowledge that we all have. The uterus connects with the brain. Women's autonomic nervous system, which regulates automated metabolic processes such as heart rate, breathing, digestion, and sexual arousal, is linked to the uterus and the brain. So we know Sheeta is a moron when it comes to women. He still thinks the uterus is a baby house, as men did when women were chattel. And
0: if you want to know the definition of chattel, yeah, ask
1: Keith Regeer. Oh, that's right. He knows chattel. Didn't he compare women to cows or something? Something like that. Yeah, that's great. Keith Regeer, he's also up there in the Montana GOP. All these old white men. This is fun. So what Sheeta doesn't know is that Montanans, and he wouldn't know this, he's not from Montana. He wasn't Montana educated. And if you spent any time being educated in Montana, you learn a lot about our history. So what Sheeta doesn't know is that Montanans have always led the way in advancing education, both from an anatomy standpoint and from a women as equal to men standpoint. Since Sheeta isn't from here, he doesn't have the appreciation for Montana's history of inclusion, of recognizing women as equal to men in all respects. I mean, for crying out loud, women had the right to vote in Montana long before women had the right to vote in federal elections. And to that point, Montana was the first state to elect a woman to Congress and elected her before women even had the federal right to vote, before the 19th Amendment was passed. So there sat Jeanette Rankin, a Republican congresswoman from Montana, the only one in Congress at the time. There she was, unable to vote in federal elections, but able to vote in Congress. And do you know what her first bill was? Her first bill, right out of the gate. That's right, H.J. Res. 3. House Joint Resolution 3, the Susan B. Anthony Amendment, which would guarantee and protect women's suffrage in the federal constitution. Never forget that, folks. H.J. Res 3. Rolls off the tongue. And what's a real shame is that Sheeta prances around like he's a Republican when he doesn't know what our Montana Republican history is. And worse, Jeanette Rankin was born in Missoula, where Sheeta's House District is located. We have secondhand embarrassment for Sheeta. You know who convinced the Montana House, which Sheeta was the Speaker of in 2019 or the Majority Leader of in 2019? Do you know who convinced the Montana House to give women the right to vote in 1911? A woman Republican named Jeanette Rankin. You know why she was so compelling? Because she had a Montana education, graduating from the University of Montana in 1902 with a biology degree. And I'm pretty sure she, with that degree and Montana education, knew that a uterus was useful for being more than a baby castle. And since the state legislature couldn't get women's suffrage across the finish line, you know who did? Montanans. Montanans. In 1914. Women's right to vote in Montana was secured by Montanans for Montanans via public referendum. And you know why? Because Montana men and women understood that women were as necessary in the Wild West as men were. That women built Montana as much as men did. That without women, homesteaders never would have made it. And if you live in Montana and you don't know that history... Don't label yourself a Montanan because it's that history that tells you what Montana is about, sharing and caring for your neighbors, working across the aisle to benefit Montanans, reverence for the state and those who built it. Live and let live. Don't discriminate based upon gender or race. Everyone has value. That is Montana's history. And these charlatans want to tear it apart. And they want to tear the Montana Republican Party, along with it, to shreds. But beyond Sheeta and his ignorant sexism and his faux election integrity propaganda that has been dispelled time and again, and for which he never actually shows up to prove his horseshit theories, we have his abject racism Following his public remarks about uteruses, Sheeta felt compelled to speak publicly at the redistricting commission meeting last week. And flanked by the chair of the Montana Republican Party, who said nothing to rebuke Sheeta's ignorant comments, here's what Sheeta said.
2: Madam chair, members of the committee, good morning. Appreciate all the work you've done. Uh, yes, this commission is partisan. Because I know because I was one that assigned one of the members. But I assigned them because they were interested in doing it. And it was fairly easy because we did not have a long line of people who wished to participate. My name is Brad Cheetah. Well, Commissioner Stusick, I was going to give your name, but I'll, I'll use mine. Cheetah spelled the traditional form T S C H I D A. Uh, we have had a lot of people who have gone up here and spoken today, and we've, the term fair has been thrown about. And I would just ask everybody in here, uh, rhetorically, to define what is fair to you. Because we're going to have as many interpretations and definitions of that term as we're going to have people sitting in here. When my kids were younger, they used to use the same phrase everybody's kids do. That's not fair. Now, there's two rules in life. Rule number one, life is not fair. Rule number two, when in doubt, refer to rule number one. In the legislature, the Native population is overrepresented. I've yet to hear somebody from my side of the aisle complain about that. I think their voices are important, but it is true that they are overrepresented in, overrepres, over, overrepresented in the legislature. Is that fair? I would say no, but you're not going to hear complaints from me. The Constitution and the law is our guide in this not what I subjectively believe, not what any of you subjectively believe, not what any of the participants subjectively believe. The rules are to be followed. And those rules are compact, contiguous, equal in population. Those are shalls. And we learn in the legislature that the word shall does not give you any room to wiggle. The, room, the word may does. So we need to follow those rules completely. And when we say shall consider, it doesn't mean shall think about and then disregard. It means shall consider, shall take that into appraisal or into appraisal so that we are using the same criteria that everyone on this commission is using and that other folks who are bringing their messages here are using. Competitive is not fair. And it's not subsumed in that definition. If we wanted things to be competitive, we heard that it's, the, the vote in Montana is 57-43. How about we make every district 57-43? That would be fair. Because that's the way we're voting we know that in rural communities people tend to be more conservative but there are divides in rural communities people in circle Montana do not see things the same way as people in Darby Montana there are differences between the rural communities as well as between the urban and rural communities so we need to t- take that in mind or keep that in mind uh, Commissioner Lampson made the the um, implication that we need to have uh, Uh, And I'm trying to think of how to say it so that it's most accurately reflecting it But there was the assumption that there's going to be fairness or that there's going to be competitiveness And we don't know what that is I'm in a competitive district And I understand competitiveness means that I have to get out and I have to talk to people Find out what their beliefs are And find out if my philosophies or the things that I'm going to do for them Are congruent with what they want me to do That's the job I have I don't know how it's going to turn out but I'm going out to hear what they have to say because I'm gonna represent that group. Now, if I get elected by a slim majority, does that mean that I have to give both sides equal uh, uh, an equal seat at the table? I will give them the opportunity to be heard, but the majority is who elects these people and that's typically who they represent or how they, they vote on, uh, on matters. In Missoula, House District 100 is a seat that no Republican no conservative could ever win And I know because I know I I have relatives that live in that district it is typically an 80-20 district So how do we make that fair? We don't we just we understand that that's the way that's going to be Maps one and four do a better job of identifying those stated shall criteria than any of the other, either the other two. But there is a map I've looked at that's far better than those, I believe. And hopefully that will be brought into the picture so that we are able to look at that and make a determination as to whether that's even a, a more appropriate map. Uh, in closing, your job is to follow the law, it's to follow the rules. Subjectivity is inappropriate. It needs to be objective. And I was gonna say, perhaps the reason we're seeing a shift now from this 5743. Uh, legislative makeup to a 6733 makeup in the House and a 3119 makeup in the Senate is that people are perhaps generally tired of being subjected to policies that are uh, incongruent with the way they believe and they're showing their disdain with their vote what do we say ten years from now if we see districts that or excuse me, a state representative or state legislature that's represented by 6733 or 7030 do we say for the next 10 years we're going to do that? No. We look at districts that are compact, congruent, uh, congruent or uh, contiguous, and that have have a, an equal amount of population. We put our blinders on. We assume that the numbers of population are going to be represented by those districts. Thank you very much for your time.
0: Commissioner Miller.
3: Representative Cheetah, you said that Native Americans are overrepresented in the state legislature. Can you explain what's that, what that's based on?
2: There's, there's more of them than they, than they represent the population. I mean, their population is under 10%. So,
3: they're, so Native Americans make up 9% of the state of Montana, according to the census, um, and there are uh, exactly proportional in both chambers.
2: What are the numbers in the House? Because the count that we had uh, shows them to be slightly overrepresented. Eight. There are eight in the House.
3: There are eight Native Americans serving tribal members serving in the House. Uh, four in the Senate, which is exactly eight percent, which is also the uh, Native voting age population for the state of Montana.
2: Is eight so percent. My numbers were incorrect. And I stand corrected? Thank you for the clarification. Okay.
3: Thank you. So you also said in that you said you, no one is advocating to reduce. Uh, native representation, but some of the maps um, will reduce native representation So would you be opposed to doing that on any maps given that you don't want to reduce any native
2: representation? Can, can you confirm to me that it will reduce their participation? Uh,
3: I can confirm to you that uh, several of the districts that currently allow Native Americans to uh, elect their candidate of choice um, have been eliminated On some of the proposals um, and several of the maps reduce the number of majority minority seats so districts where uh, Native Americans make up the majority of the voting age population
2: so you're saying that those people do not have a chance to be elected is that that what I'm hearing because I'm I'm hearing that because of the way the lines are going to be drawn that those people will not be elected I, I uh, take umbrage with that, because if they 're good candidates and they represent the the mindset of the people they're they 're running uh, to represent, then they could be they could be elected i don 't think there 's any way of telling that those people cannot be elected. I think that uh, to some extent that 's disparaging to them, saying that the only reason that they 're being elected is because the population is made up by people who are like minded i don 't think that that 's the case and I, and I I disagree with that so i I think they have a, as much of a chance of being elected as any of us do so
3: OK, so we can we can at least agree we don't ag- agree on all of that, but we agree that Native Americans are not overrepresented in the Montana legislature, if, if despite what correct, you said. Yeah,
2: then I stand corrected. And, and okay. I would Fakes. say that you so, said that during the congressional yes. hearings, mm-hmm. too.
3: So, OK, thank
2: you. All right. Thank you. Now, what Sheeta
1: said was blatantly racist, unless, of course, race is a component of the redistricting decisions. If ensuring adequate representation by race, you know, say something like got to have 80 percent white folk, 10 percent Indian and 10 percent every other race. Well, that would be worth considering. Then you would say, well, that's not racist. That's one of the components you have to look at. But as a sitting legislator, as a leader in the Montana GOP. And as a guy seeking a Senate seat, you would think he would research the four criteria for creating legislative districts and research his arguments to see if he's accurate when he says that the Montana legislature is overrepresented by Indians. I mean, that's literally what he's been hired to know as a legislator. Kind of basic shit. But does he do any research before spouting out his racist vitriol? No, no, mm -mm. because if he had, he would know that Indians are actually underrepresented simply on the basis of race in our legislature, because we know that Indian participation in the 2020 census was incredibly low for a variety of factors, not the least of which was COVID lockdowns. And those facts strike me as really compelling, especially since the chair of the redistricting commission. Is a woman who is also an Indian. So, for those of you that may wonder, geez, what are the four criteria for redistricting legislative districts? Here they are.
0: One, legislative districts must be as equal in population as is practicable. Two, no plan is acceptable if it affords members of a racial or language minority group less opportunity than others and race cannot be the predominant factor to which traditional redistricting criteria are subordinated. Three, each district shall consist of compact territory.
1: Four, each district shall be contiguous. That's it. So when Sheeta says, quote, your job is to follow the law, well, so is his. And he doesn't even know the law nor the facts that he is spouting about probably because his view is clouded by his ignorance. So there you have it, folks. Two more charlatans embraced by the Montana GOP and who fear no repercussions from spewing racist and sexist garbage. Because the state Republican Party is in a shambles, lacking leadership and integrity. So what we are left with is the proliferation of charlatans who have found a home in the Montana Republican Party. So the rest of us Montanans who know Montana, who love Montana and who adhere to the conservative and Montana values of the state are left homeless without a political party representative of our values because racism and sexism are certainly not Republican Party principles. And as for Montana, well, her history ushered in Jeanette Rankin, which paved the way for other Montana educated Republican women to have the moxie to stand up for Montana, to stand against racism and sexism, to defend our Constitution and its reverence for our native Montanans, and to publicize the hypocrisy of the Montana GOP and the mutilation of the Republican brand that is occurring throughout the state under the warm embrace of Montana GOP leadership.
0: Thank you for taking us with you on your journey today. And we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Montana Values Podcast. Consider sponsoring the show by going to our website, montanavaluespodcast.com. Locating the sponsor page and clicking on the donate button. Follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at MTValues. Find us on Podbean or wherever you get your podcasts. What's your favorite Montana value? How do you live it? Write to us. Our email address is montanavaluespodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.